Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Thomas Anderson, Managing Director at MoneyCorp. Tom is a results-driven capital markets professional with over 25 years of successful and progressive experience. He is adept at managing multiple priorities in fast-paced settings. He specializes in helping clients manage their foreign currency payable, receivable, and future exchange rate risk, utilizing his 25-plus years experience advising companies of all sizes and risk appetites. By utilizing both fundamental and time-tested analytical FX risk management strategies, Tom's conservative yet dynamic and flexible approach is sought after by many of his long-term clients. Tom earned a BA from the University of Massachusetts Amherst and his MBA from Queens University of Charlotte. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Megan. Yeah, today we'll be discussing your experience and taking a look at the challenges facing today's CFOs, as well as what MoneyCorp is doing to address some of these pain points. I'm really looking forward to this discussion, so let's get started. Excellent. Looking forward to it. First, tell us a bit about yourself, your current role, and how it is that you got to where you are today. Sure, sure. So um, I started out my career working for a small FX kind of advisory firm that we marketed both technical and fundamental information on the FX markets. That was eventually bought by what is known today as uh, Thomson Reuters. So I spent quite a bit of time kind of in the FX space, you know, on the analysis side. And then I moved to the banking side. Um, I worked at a commercial bank um, way back when, you may remember the bank, First Union National Bank, which is now part of um, Wachovia, and then well, went to Wachovia, then Wells Fargo. And then I spent uh, about 14 years at Bank of America. And in all those roles, I was in kind of the FX advisory role, running mostly middle market to mid cap type teams, where we focused on advisory for corporations, mostly around North America. Kind of where I am today is for the last 12 years, Money Corp and its legacy companies. I run the what we call the dealing team, which are the folks that are the primary points of contact for our corporate clients. And we have kind of a probably in the neighborhood of seven to eight thousand active clients in North America. And I tend to focus on making sure their payment needs are sorted, the hedging needs, with a particular focus on making sure that our structured solution offering is robust. We meet the needs of mid to upper tier clients really um, around all of North America. So yeah, so that's kind of a, the quick snapshot. I'm kind of one of the gray hairs in the business that's been around the block for for a little bit of time, but also with the Money Corp kind of acquisition and role, it's really propelled us into kind of what I'd call more the digital age, much faster tracked than we were even from the banking world. So it's kind of been a fast ride. Yeah, and I'm sure only accelerated in the last 15 months or so. Yeah, yeah. Well, the good news is that we had a pretty good foundation built from both the technology, liquidity, and a platform standpoint. So it was, it was, you know, thankfully a good experience for us. And we had a good combination of people like myself and other folks that have been through kind of the Asian debt crisis, 
through kind of 9-11, through, you know, the 08, 09 credit crisis. And so we've kind of weathered these storms in the past. So we had a lot of um, experience in having these, you know, crises, so to speak. But then we have that married with, quite frankly, a lot of younger folks that are very good at the digital side, making sure we have good access to data to make decisions. And I think between the combination of those two was a pretty successful way to kind of weather the storm and build ourselves for the future. So tell us about MoneyCorp and what they specialize in and what exactly differentiates them. Sure. So if you kind of think about Money Corp, sometimes it's easier to say what we don't do. What we don't do is we don't lend money to folks. We're not offering letters of credit. You know, we're not someone where you go and deposit money and leave it there and, and watch it grow. If you kind of think about it, if you removed, if you kind of look at a large commercial bank, for example, and then you privatize the foreign exchange division, that's kind of who we who we are. We're a liquidity provider for mostly corporations and financial institutions, what they call the SMEs, the small to middle market type companies. We, from a value proposition standpoint, we have what we call a multi-liquidity provider setup. So we have about 20 different liquidity providers globally that we work with. So what that means is we're not kind of victim to any particular time zone or any particular act someone has to grind or any particular currency pair that someone's good at or bad at. We kind of have the luxury of picking and choosing based on currency pair, notional amount, volatility, you know, value date, you know, who we want to work with. So from a customer standpoint, it's a pretty good value proposition. So we can kind of shop around for the best deal for our clients. So um, yeah, it's been a nice um, change and the value proposition seems to resonate particularly with the mid cap size client base that we work with mostly. So you guys specialize in FX basically. Correct. Correct. So if I had to kind of think about the FX market, I think of it in kind of a barbell. You have the kind of the payment side of the business, which is people that want to do large files, sending thousands of payments very efficiently and quickly with transparent reporting, quick pricing and execution and delivery. And then we have kind of the FX and the hedging side of the business, which are folks that, you know, are have assets overseas or they're looking to repatriate and they want to hedge, you know, the value, whether it's a transactional nature or from a translation or a balance sheet perspective, we do both of those barbells very well. We try not to be all things to all people, to be honest with you, but at the same time, we get to pick and choose, you know, who we want to work with and it's worked out pretty well. We have a very, what I'd call a bespoke kind of a credit offering that we offer to our clients and it's pretty flexible and it's not really one size fits all type approach, which resonates pretty well with our client base. So let's switch gears a bit and talk about the role of the CFO. Mm-hmm. How do you see that that role has evolved over, let's say the last decade? Sure. If I kind of think about it from our perspective, I think of um, the inflection point in the last decade or so was kind of the 08, 09 credit crisis. That to me was kind of a turning point of how people face off to the C-suite or the CFO role. From that standpoint, I mean, I, I remember sitting on the trading desk 
and looking at our positions that we had outstanding with um, Lehman Brothers and knowing that really overnight those positions were all <laughs> pretty much gone. Yeah. And I think about that from a CFO standpoint, they had the same issues you know, at the credit crisis as well. All of a sudden, when I was at the commercial bank side, I was responsible quite a bit for our asset-based lending and what we call our commercial finance world. And those are clients who, um, you know, we lend on a kind of a formula basis. And let's say their um, lending spread is, I don't call it LIBOR plus 250. All of a sudden, we have a credit crisis and their lending spreads went from LIBOR plus 250 to LIBOR plus, you know, 550. The real estate world went from LIBOR plus 300 to LIBOR plus 900. So all of a sudden, these CFOs had to pivot really quickly and figure out, you know, how to access liquidity, how to access, you know, FX pricing, going from, you know, five providers to two providers, because some people just didn't want to deal with them anymore. So to me, that was kind of the beginning of a transformation. And if I think about kind of the, the issues, it's, you know, making sure that they have all the liquidity lines and borrowing lines in place that can really weather any storm. Number two, have the data in really in-house and make sure it's all accurate. So if you do have any sort of crisis, you can analyze the data and make decisions very quickly. And kind of with that is the risk assessment, right? So you can have an existential crisis, you know, like a credit crisis, uh, an internal one, but then you can have one, you know, like COVID. And that's a whole nother ball of wax, you know, and knowing exactly what your forecast looked like, you know, how accurate is your budget? You know, are people sandbagging it? Are they being accurate? And kind of, you know, over the last 10 years, I'd say, if I were to kind of belabor this a little bit, developing a deeper relationship with their partners, meaning the CFO's partners, and that goes for, you know, banking, service providers, IT providers, et cetera, has really deepened quite a bit. Before it was a little bit more of a price game. And I say in the last decade, it's changed a lot and they want, you know, maybe less providers, but deeper relationships. And um, I'd say the last decade, those are probably some of the biggest changes that I've seen. Yeah, not to mention trying to keep up with all the technological changes that are out there. It's really a Herculean effort to try to keep really not only in touch with your day to day, but also, you know, what's out there, you know, how your business is evolving and how to keep up with that. Because if you think about it, you still have a lot of, you know, North America, especially, you still have a very big number of privately held companies closely held that don't necessarily want to, that have been successful and they don't necessarily have the need or want to invest in some of this, you know, slick technology that's come out. And um, I kind of think about it as early in my career, we used to use this phrase, you know, bringing Wall Street to Main Street. And that was kind of a big slogan in kind of the late 80s, early 90s. And now we're kind of coming back to that again. We're trying to say, okay, there's a lot of technology out there, but what is the right you know, kind of technology that's useful for you that's not going to take you a week to try to understand the platform or the system or the risk metrics or, or that sort of thing? So let's uh, take a look specifically at the last year and a half. How has yeah. the role of the CFO changed since COVID has come about? So if I kind of think about the inflection point, you know, from the credit crisis and then carry that forward to when COVID hit, there's a lot of things that have 
carried forward, but have also really accelerated. One is that kind of making sure you have a good foundation built and understanding, you know, what their foundation looks like. In, in other words, you know, what are my outstanding positions? What does my liquidity position look like? What do my credit lines look like? All that kind of stuff had to be at everyone's fingertips. And quite frankly, people would cobble that together in an office environment a little bit easier, but when everybody's remote, it wasn't so easy. So I think people learn very quickly that the systems and you know informal or formal processes that they had in place kind of quickly broke down. So they had to retool that you know very quickly. And also, if I think about it, really the data itself in some cases wasn't very accurate. So you think you might have you know good solid data and forecasting, but then when you try to execute something, it didn't really follow through. So that was really an important task that people had to get their arms around. And the other thing I'd say has probably been one of the biggest things in the last 18 months is, is kind of the automation side. And if I think about, you know, before COVID hit and then after COVID hit and the amount of people have automated things from then to now, it's been a pretty big change. You know, before then, people weren't as interested in kind of, you know, streamlining workflows and trying to scale day-to-day things. Now that's completely changed. And they might not have all the solutions in place yet, but I would argue that the infrastructure is being built, the investments being made in order to get to that spot fairly quickly. And building on that, what do you think are the biggest pain points that CFOs are facing? So right now, if I kind of took today as a snapshot in time, we kind of have this juxtaposition between rapid growth. Some industries really can't, get enough supply in order to distribute. So you have this, you know, rapid growth, you know, people call it maybe the kind of the roaring 20s, so to speak. Then you have this huge supply chain issue that's going on. You couple that with a lot of people being remote and you have kind of a, a whole quagmire of issues in order to deal with. And then you throw foreign exchange on top of that. You have, you know, hedging needs, payment needs, rapid growth, access to liquidity, supply chain disruptions, and you kind of have um, kind of a hodgepodge of things that are all competing for time, attention, and money. So, you know, as the first axiom of finance is cash is king, so everyone has to preserve cash, make sure the liquidity positions are up to snuff to deal with both pending growth as well as making sure, you know, EBITDA is there. You can't just spend every dime on infrastructure and data at the expense of, you know, EBITDA. So that that kind of push-pull right now is very acute in most of the industries that we're working with. It's definitely interesting times that we're living in right now. Yes, yes. So talk to us about what is it that Money Corp is doing to address some of these pain points? Sure. No, it's a good question. First and foremost, what I'd say is kind of reassuring our clients, especially on the C-suite and the CFO level, is that we're here to stay and that we're a relationship and we'll get through this together because not every industry was positively impacted by this. There's a lot of industries, you know, travel and tourism that are still struggling to get back on their feet. So first and foremost, we've made it very clear that, you know, we're here for the long haul. We don't just look at a snippet of time and say that that's, you know, who you are. We're here to make sure we service your needs for the long term. 
Probably the second biggest thing is having kind of flexible credit terms. We're very cognizant that not one size fits all. Every industry is different. Every management team is different. Everybody's you know risk tolerance is a little bit different. And making sure that we both address you know what the market environment looks like because let's take a be frank you know COVID is a big hit and it's a lot of uncertainty for people in the credit world, but understanding that, you know, we're here for the long haul and that it's not just a 2020 issue that a lot of these industries are coming back, albeit some probably a little bit slower than others. So that's probably one of the other big things. The other probably big thing is the automation side. So I think of examples just the other day, we had one customer who for a long time has a fairly large electronic importing and distribution business and he started to he, he created the sister company to try to fund some some covid uh, needs and it was multiple payments multiple jurisdictions kind of a small smaller notional amounts than they're used to and he was spending three hours four hours every 15 days to make these payments so we simply spent some time on the automation side and looked at do we deliver an API? Do we do a file upload? You know, what's the best way to streamline, you know, his day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month? And within about probably a week and a half, we delivered um, a solution that is kind of a win-win for all parties. It reduces the amount of time on the input side. It reduces the any return issues by simply doing an automation or an API file upload. So that's been a big thing that we've focused on in the last 18 months. And if I look at the number of payments we've done from really pre-COVID to now, it's off the charts. The numbers are, are exploded. And really, it is driven from people just trying to simplify their lives and do batch uploads as opposed to single payments. Probably the other thing I'd say is, this might be a little bit hard to describe, but what you have is you have a lot of corporates that have a risk of let's say a weaker dollar or a stronger dollar. But then along with that risk, they have multiple payments to make. So what we do quite a bit is we'll establish a hedging program that will allow customers to hedge say over a quarterly basis and have kind of a fixed rate that they'll have to manage against for a quarter, but then be able to make multiple payments throughout that quarter based on what their hedge rates are and hopefully, you know, add or better than their budget rates. So it sounds complex on the surface, but from the execution standpoint, it's actually pretty simple. There's a little bit of time that you have to invest on the upfront piece, but what it does is it allows the CFO to really put one hedging program in place for, in this case, we did one for, um, for the entire year. This particular client I'm thinking about is in the healthcare business and they offer like uh, sterilization kind of products and services. And when we had the supply chain issues, specifically the Panama Canal, they had, you know, delays on a lot of their shipments for, you know, not just weeks, but months. So if he had a static hedging program that, you know, said, okay, you're going to deliver X amount of, you know, euros on the 15th day, it would have been a very bad experience. So this hedging program and multiple of them we set up that gives them a lot of flexibility on delivering currency over a 90 day period, still manages their budget rate, 
um, and can kind of deal with these supply chain issues that that we've um, encountered. So that's been a big um, that's been a big piece. And um, the last pain point I'd say is if I kind of think about you know you had asked before you know what what are the biggest changes since in the last decade, and if I think about that. One of the biggest things is, you know, when I started my career, most CFOs were mostly thinking about, okay, how do I reduce costs, right? And what's the best way to do that? Then it started moving into, okay, well, what are the, you know, what are the risks on doing nothing or doing hedging or doing a combination? In the last, you asked what the last 10 years, the last 10 years, they've started saying, okay, how do I participate if the market goes my way? And there's a lot of things that we can do on that. And really in the last 18 months, from a hedging perspective, we if I look at the numbers from a percentage basis, biggest by far, I mean, this is not just by single digits, by you know, triple digits, the biggest growth in the hedging world has been what we call outperformance trades, where people will take, you know, 30 to 50% of their projected needs and use outperformance products to try to add a couple percent to their bottom line. So that's probably been, you know, that kind of brings me back to my old, my old days of bringing kind of Wall Street to Main Street. There's these tried and true kind of outperformance transactions that, you know, middle market America can use to both manage their risk as well as outperform versus their budget rate. So those are probably four or five of the pain points that we've spent quite a bit of time on in the, in the last 18 months or so. Yeah, it sounds like you guys are doing a lot to simplify the lives of CFOs. Yeah, yeah, simplify is the right word, I think. And we hear a lot these days about digital transformation and innovative technologies. I, I've heard or read that COVID has accelerated the digital transformation by at least a decade. Mm-hmm. So how can... CFOs better leverage the solutions that are available to them and ensure that they're keeping up? Sure. That's a good question. Um, So if I kind of, you know, I kind of think if you boil away the fat, first of all, you have to say, all right, who are the relationships that I have today from a partnership standpoint, from a credit standpoint, from an FX standpoint, and lean on your relationships to make sure they understand, you know, what's out there. And I always say that, you know, no one has a monopoly on ideas. And the more you can kind of, you know, talk to your partners out there, the better. And the second thing I'd say is everyone needs a roadmap. And a roadmap for me would be what is your hedging policy? What is your, you know, payment policy? You know, what are the jurisdictions that you want to operate in that you don't want to operate in? So making sure that, you know, you're in line with what the owners of the company want what the board of directors wants and what the market has. So kind of making sure you have that foundation is really important before you can even start talking about these digital transformations and solutions. So to me, A, you build the foundation. B, then what are the building blocks? You know, you need good data. You know, you need to be conservative in your approach because no one's, most companies are not, you know, trying to guess what the euro is going to do. They're just trying to manage their risk, but they also need to be dynamic. You know, if they're not dynamic in their approach, then they're going to be caught really not being competitive versus some of their competition. So if you kind of, the building blocks is going to be, there's an array of things out there, but what you'll find is there's probably not that many are going to be bespoke enough to address their solutions and making sure you find, you know, something that's simple enough that you don't have to hire another team of people to, to take a look at, 
but also being able to execute. So you have you can have all this data, you can have all this big foundation, but if you can't execute it in a timely basis based on what the Fed did a couple of weeks ago or tomorrow's employment number, really, you know, what's the point of it all? Um, and the last thing I'd say is with this kind of digital transformation is making sure that as you're going through this process, you're constantly reviewing and rewinding and making sure that what you've done, you know, two weeks ago, a month ago, six months ago is still appropriate for today because things change pretty quick. And what you did, you know, a year and a half ago might not be appropriate for what's going on in the market today. So, and having a system that's flexible enough that can address that and not static is I think really important, especially in today's kind of fast moving environment. And that's probably a pretty good segue into this next question, but can you talk to us specifically about MoneyCorp's FX map and how it's designed to help CFOs? Yeah, sure. So FX map is, um, it's um, short for market analysis and position. And if I kind of think back to, you asked me a question earlier, what are some of the pain points that um, folks have? One is time, right? Let's face it. Everyone is asked to do more with less. So you, uh, the FX map is what I'd call kind of a one-stop shopping. And it takes a quick snapshot on what's going on in the market. B, it kind of does a fairly simple but fairly um, elegant solution to figure out, okay, what's the analysis based on my budget rate, based on my current outstanding positions? You know, what do I do if the market moves plus or minus X percent? We take a look at all the outstanding positions that you have, not just with Money Corp, but with any of your other institutions that you have deals on the books with. And then we say, okay, based on your outstanding positions, based on what your budget rate is, based on, you know, like tomorrow we have the unemployment number coming out, what is, you know, my pre-approved strategies that I can use to execute and what would be the outcome if the market moves to X, then you do Y. So it's kind of a um, quick and easy, elegant solution that ties in a lot of the things that CFOs need on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. I remember the first question that you know our CEO asked or the, our board asked is, "What's our positions right now?" As soon as COVID hit, you know, where are we long? Where are we short? What's our cash position? And if you weren't able to answer that question within a very short period of time. Um, that wasn't going to be a very good conversation. So this tool can really give you that snapshot so you know that if there's you know an existential event or a credit event or whatever it might be, that you have all these things at your fingertips and you have the data to make these decisions on a quick, timely basis and you know what's going to be the outcome as well. And how can a tool like this help CFOs manage risk? So the way we look at it is, if you kind of go back to your fundamentals, you know what your policy is, you know what your budget rates are, you know what strategies you can use and from both a payments perspective and a hedging perspective to meet your budget rates. This tool really helps you put everything in one spot. You analyze your risk, you know exactly based on if the market goes you know plus or minus five percent either direction what's going to be the impact to your p l and also where your entry and exit points based on your hedge ratios based on what your objectives are and your budget rates etc so it's kind of a simple elegant solution that people probably have done in the back of the envelope 
but this kind of combines everything into one spot. And as far as I know, I mean, I'm one of the gray hairs in the business. I haven't seen something like this out there that hasn't been a very expensive software package that you have to integrate into your system. So, so to us, it's a fairly simple but elegant solution to um, solve a lot of these pain points. Yeah, it sounds like a very valuable tool. So how can CFOs access this FX map report? Um, yeah, two or three ways. Um, a, you can call um, whoever your dealer is, someone like me. B, you can go onto our website, onto the business solutions tab, and um, you can click on it and fill out some simple information and we can start the process. Obviously, you can email me, call me, and really start the conversation. It's it's really a very simple way to get started. There's a little bit of initial you know, work to get the template formatted, um, to get all the positions loaded and budget rates and things like that. But once it's started, it kind of runs itself and it's updated really as frequently as, as um, makes sense for the CFO. And um, it kind of runs itself after a while. So it's, that's the kind of the beauty about it. You do initial, initial legwork, and then it kind of answers a lot of the questions for you as you go along. On, on average, how long does that initial legwork take? Most of that is on our part. So we have analysts that will do most of the legwork. We'll ask kind of some simple questions about positions, budget rates, you know, exposures to different currency pairs. And then once we have that, um, we plug it into our um, system and it goes from there. So it's a very quick turnaround time from once we have all the data, but the data gathering process is fairly simple. And is it just an upfront fee or is it like subscription based that people pay? No, it's actually, if you're a client of MoneyCorp, it comes as part of our overall relationship. Okay. So we don't charge, you know, we're not in the, you know, advisory fee business. We're just in the FX business, kind of like I said. And so our, our role is to really try to give people the right tools to make the decision. We don't advise them whether they should buy or sell, go long or short. We simply give them the tools in which they can make the decision based on their predetermined criteria. That makes sense. Tom, thank you so much for being here with me today. Great, Megan. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I've enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about your experience. You've given us some valuable insights and advice today, and I, I appreciate you sharing. Great. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yep. To all of our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this episode as well. Please tune in next week. And until then, take care of yourselves. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personive.com. Thanks for listening.